Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. stretch i'm justin wells with me as always is armando Agula. today is our uh our last show of the year because uh we take off on various vacations uh not that we don't like you guys and we don't want to be with you but you know we, we uh we need a few weeks off from uh, our lives i'm uh, speaking of a few weeks off, off from our lives armando how much can you not wait for that oh man i am so excited to just get out of here uh i'm gonna take a a, a little bit out of your book and i'm gonna go to tulum too at the end of next month so I can't. Uh, I really can't wait to be honest. Yeah, that's uh, that should be a good trip. Uh, not not as needed from you in California because it's not quite as cold, but still definitely needed. Yeah, just to get away from work. And I hear you're going to India, so that uh that should be you know interesting and a lot of fun for you. I leave on Friday, but let's uh let's bring it back to our main topic because this is the seventh inning stretch and not Justin Armando's travel stories. But we can give you guys that once if you want it. But. Um, you know, it's the end of the year, and the winter meetings just ended. So we're we're going to talk those. Um, I think the, the the first deal we should go to, and the biggest deal of anybody made in the winter meetings, was the Boston Red Sox acquiring Chris Sale for a package that includes uh, Yon Moncada, the number two prospect in Baseball America's prospect list, and uh, Michael Kopech, who is a young pitcher who. Looks very Noah Syndergaard-esque, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I guess first, Armando, what do you think about Chris Sale going to the Red Sox? I mean, Chris Sale is going to help the Red Sox without a doubt. They're a team that uh, you know was already offensively they didn't struggle last year. They they were very uh, you know offensive heavy, and I just think if they can get anything out of David Price. If- Porcello can be anything like he was this season. Uh, the Red Sox are really a force to be reckoned with, and we can see them playing deep into October. And, and I think that's a move that they had to make um, because, you know, we know Dombrowski and we know his MO, and that is get rid of the farm to win now. And we're just seeing that play over and translate from his time in Detroit now over here in Boston. For me, I think it's a, a deal that will probably long-term benefit both teams because I think the White Sox really got two can't-miss players uh, in Kopech and, and, and uh, Moncada, like you mentioned. So uh, it's it's exciting, I think, for both teams. I think the White Sox needed that. Uh, they needed to blow it up and they needed to rebuild, and they're doing it in a way that I think is exciting, and it'll be quicker than you know most teams that are rebuilding have to go through. I really do think these two pieces are going to be key pieces for them going forward, and uh, and to be quite honest, as early as next season, we can see uh, you know them start to – gain the, the fruits of, of, of this trade. So it's something that I think is going to go 50-50, and I think it was a good trade all around. But, uh, you know, the Red Sox got a really, really good pitcher, a pitcher that uh, with that offense can can win 20 games without a problem. And and uh, Chris Sale, if, if he can keep his head on straight, he you know, he can be a definite, definite, uh, you know, be- beneficiary of that offense and really, you know, do – great things for Boston because I really do think 
it's not like he's coming from the NL and he's not used to it. He's going into a, a league where he's used to. I know the AL East is a little bit tougher. It's more offense heavy, but you know he's got dynamic stuff. And 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 really, we've seen him dominate the American League for quite some time. So you know, I'm really excited to see it. Uh, I don't know about you know the rest of the American League East, but I think it's going to be exciting time for the Red Sox. Yeah, so it's actually interesting that you bring up in the AL East because just looking at what he did last season against the AL East, uh, one start against Baltimore, won it, went five innings, giving up one earned. Uh, against Boston, also had one start, went seven innings, struck out nine, one earned. Against the Rays, had two starts, won them both, 16 innings, 16 strikeouts, and three earned over the 16. And a mirrored 16 innings against Toronto, 13 strikeouts, three earned, and two wins. So you're talking about a guy who pitched to a, a sub one and a half ERA, or just I think it works out just around one and a half in the division that he pitched it that, that he he's in the position in the uh, in the division that he's pitching in next season. Um, I know that obviously that's a circumstantial stat, but it doesn't suggest that he's going to struggle because neither none of those teams thus far have. Uh, made too many changes in their lineup. I mean, bar Toronto without Encarnacion and Bautista, and we don't know how they end up. But the other question I want to pose to you, and uh, I, I I get why the Red Sox would make this trade, but Yon Moncada is a guy that typically, like, you don't trade that guy. You're looking to trade the next guy down in your uh, in your farm system. Uh, do you think he was blocked in Boston in any way? Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, Boston has a lot of talent, um, and, and, and you know, Xander Bogarts is there, and they have some players that, that really do fit the bill. Mankata, although he's an extremely talented player, and it's like you said, most teams, that's that's untouchable. You're not getting Mankata uh, with, without a shadow of a doubt. That's a player that you're grooming and you're going to get in there. I just think it's Dombrowski, man. Dombrowski wants the proven commodity. He doesn't, he doesn't really trust what the farm has and what potential has to say. He's the guy that wants the proven entity, and... And Chris Sale is that, and that is was the weakest link for the Red Sox. Uh, was he blocked? I think maybe, potentially, but I just think that's a situation where the patience wasn't there, and 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 it, it was a perfect storm for him to go because uh, because of the general manager and the way he operates, and because of you know the depth that the Red Sox do have. So I just think you know in any other organization they could have worked it out, they could have fit him in in a different position he could have played somewhere else they would have made it work but I just think with the Red Sox it was a piece that they felt could get their man and then it, it ultimately did yeah no I, I I fully I fully see it um like you, you mentioned uh Porcello and Price I think uh Sale gives them finally the protection that they needed against those two pitchers and it's gonna sound strange to say that because you're talking about the uh, the richest pitcher contract in the free agent baseball market history because obviously Price is not making as much as Kershaw, although I think the AAV is bigger. And your reigning Cy Young winner. You'd expect that you wouldn't need to supplement the staff like that with an actual ace. But there are questions about Porcello and how much he'll regress the next year. Like, Porcello won 22 games this year. He pitched to an ERA just around just under 3-3, which in the AL is great. Like, do you, do you think that's really do you think that's realistic again? I don't. Probably not. I mean... Winning games, I, I could see him winning 18, 19 games, but that's just because the Red Sox are offense heavy and they, they have a talented lineup, so I could see him doing that. The ERA, however, is something that I don't expect him to get. I could see him you know, getting up to a four, four and a half next season easily um, just because of the division he plays and just because – you know, it's in, you know, we live in the era of analytics and people are constantly studying pitcher, constantly studying the things that they're doing. And I think, you know, he's going to get figured out. Porcello, although he's a guy that's been in the league for quite some time, last season, it seemed like guys weren't really prepared to see what he had to offer. And, and I just think it's, if his game evolved, then now the hitter's game will evolve. And I just think it's, it's to the point where uh, he's going to get found out. I mean, We've seen pitchers time and again. David Price is a prime example of this get found out and, and, and regress. And, and, you know, Porcello is going to have a target on his back. He's Cy Young Award winner. And, and I don't really see him repeating that and, and having his name, you know, in that conversation. Chris Sale, on the other hand, is somebody that can be in that conversation next season without a doubt. Yeah, no, I, I happen to I happen to agree with you. And I think that the haul to the White Sox, um, it set the price for prospects because we're going to stick with the White Sox. And we're going to talk about the trade that they made with the uh, Washington Nationals. So the Nationals traded away Lucas Giolito, the number one ranked prospect in baseball, 
uh, number one pitching ranked rank prospect in baseball. Uh, Raynaldo Lopez, who made some starts for them and is also their their second best prospect in their system. And then Dane Dunning, their first rounder from two years ago, who's the fourth best prospect in their system for Adam Eaton. Um, Adam Eaton's a nice player, but I'm killing the Nationals for this deal. Yeah, the Nationals got fleeced, bro. It is what it is. Adam Eaton is a solid ball player. He's, he's he, you know, but he's not next level. He's not superstar. He's not what the potential that they gave up is for this guy. I mean, um, I, I don't know what his war is, but it can't be that great. He's an average center fielder at best. Um, Adam Eaton last year actually put up a 6.2 war, but a lot of it was because of the effect of his defense in right field versus center field. 6.2 right. war players, no joke. It's really solid. Yeah, no, and I'm surprised they didn't give away this haul for, for McCutcheon. If you were going to go get a center fielder I, and you're willing to give up that much, uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon's proven to be, you know, two, three times the player Adam Eaton is at least. And, 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 well, and defensively, <laughs> right, and defensively solid and a guy that can command that position. That It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, it seems quite obvious that the, that the Pirates are willing to ship McCutcheon for the right deal, and I can't see that not being enough for Andrew McCutcheon. I mean... I, apparently they turned down a package around Giolito and Lopez. Uh, the Nationals really struck out, by the way, in, in trades that they wanted to make because uh, this was their third choice trade. They went first for, apparently, Sale. Couldn't land him. Uh, then they went for McCutcheon. Couldn't land him. And, uh, I mean, it looks like they got played by the White Sox once in the Sale deal where the night before John Heyman was tweeting that they were, you know, apparently close to... Uh, a deal between the Nats on sale. Uh, it even had Noah Syndergaard pissed off, but uh, that's something I learned via Twitter. Um, but it also, but then uh, apparently, so then the Red Sox come in and get the, make the trade. So apparently they were able to top the Nats offer because the Red Sox have a better farm system. And then they get played by the White Sox by, on this hall of giving up, you know, their three best pitching prospects for a guy who is a very very good and above average in right field in war in, in as as a defender and a full player. But then he moved me to center field, and the defensive qualities that he brings to you as a right fielder disappeared. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, you know, and, and Comiskey or U.S. Cellular, I don't know what it's called anymore. Um, Guaranteed that, that rate ballpark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's very forgettable. Um for me, that that place is it, it has a lot of a lot of ground to cover, man, and and he's going to have to command a lot of that outfield. And I just don't know, man. I think it's going to it's it's definitely not going to be something that that you know, looking back, we're going to sit here and say, man, Adam Eaton, it's a great thing that he you know they got him, and yeah, it was worth the price. I don't really see that happening. But for the White Sox, again, I mean, kudos to them again, getting young pieces, getting pieces that are not far from being major league ready. If not, you know, they'll be there in spring, potentially be there to start the season. These are guys that I think could really benefit them, and and they are getting top 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 you know dollar for for these guys uh for for players that for me aside from sale everybody on the white Sox is replaceable you know and even for sale he's gone now and and he you know he was just there stagnating it wasn't going to improve the situation keeping him there so him moving is an absolute must do but nobody on that roster screams you know perennial all-star screams hall of fame screams elite you know and now they've got some potential pieces that could be just that in a year two years time even because i mean moncada is not far away and he's going to be he's going to be there soon and he's going to be a key piece in that lineup he's going to be a key piece in that franchise for quite some time i you know for me this adam eaton move man just doesn't make any sense for me as far as the nationals concerned but for the white Sox, you know yeah you'd, you'd bite the nationals hand hands off for offering that immediately yeah and, it's, and it seems like they did now uh moving moving away from because actually before we move away from that deal let's let's actually see what it does for the nats for a second so you have adam eaton in center that's going to allow them to move trey turner to his natural position is short um there is one thing obviously as a fan of a team in that division uh, which if you're listening to us for the first time i'm a new york mets fan and i don't hide it uh it's at the top of that lineup with eaton and uh and uh, Trey Turner is going to have so much speed in front of, uh, you know, in front of Murph and in front of Harper. Uh, I do think it makes him way too left-handed, though. Yeah, you know, and it, you know, it's all about Dusty Baker pulling the strings and making the moves and not being afraid to to, to hit and run, to to steal, to do these things. I just think, you know, 
sometimes he can be a little hesitant in the way he calls the game, and we've seen that especially in the playoffs. So for me, I don't. I mean, yeah, it gives you that ability, but they really need to make that work, and they really need to put the ball in play and get the most out of these guys. We got we got to hope that Eaton has a great on base percentage for them, as at least. Uh, so I don't know. I think everything's up in the air with that trade. I, I, you know. I think, you know, they, they lost some pieces to the Nationals, not just in their farm, but Wilson Ramos is a big piece for them that I that, that's missing now. I just think that this team got worse uh, and, and might have regressed a little bit to what we saw, you know, definitely a couple years ago. But, yeah, even last season. Yeah, it's one of those things I wonder about also because they've they've sold a lot of their pitching depth. Lope, depth. Lopez and Giolito made starts for this team last year. Uh, death taxes and Steven Strasburg on the DL is, you know, what what you're dealing with. So while you have the reigning Cy Young Award winner in Scherzer, an undeserving winner, by the way, um, you have Strasburg as well, who you know that Strasburg's going to be good when he pitches, but you also know that he's going to miss a month of the season. And, you know, you're hoping that Joe Ross keeps up what he did. Um, you're hoping that Tanner Roark keeps up what he did. Um, you're probably slotting Gio Gonzalez in. So you have a set five that you're working with, but you, you have some some guys who are going to go down with injury during the course of the season it happens to every other staff. And the question for them now is where does that depth come from and where does the depth and quality come from if they suffer a long-term injury, which we all also seen happen with pitchers. Yeah. You know, especially with, with, you know, guys like Strasburg who, who, like you said, at least a month of the season, it's almost guaranteed he'll be gone. Um, yeah, and giving up those elite prospects, you know, it just it just was going to make it difficult for them. It's going to make it very difficult for them. They better hope that they could make it, you know, up to the you know the trade deadline, something like that, to where if they need to make a move, they can. But I don't know. I, I just see this team, you know, really regressing and, and and scuffling for if there's injuries, especially into that rotation. I think this is a team that might scuffle for for you know a lot of next season. I still think there's too much talent in the division they play in has a lot of crap outside them in the Mets. So I think they're going to beat, I think they'll feast, but uh, the way, the way, the way the nationals have been over the last few years, it's good year, bad year, good year, bad year. And they're, they're due for a bad year. Consistency at, they've had trouble with being consistent and getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, I can't, they haven't had trouble getting out of the first round of the playoffs. They just don't do it. It's, it's, it's um, part of their thing is they don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like the Nats, uh, you know, they lose in division series. That's just what they do. Right, right. No, I, I I tend to agree with that, Ben. I tend to agree with that 100%. Um, I guess we'll just wait and see. And, and, you know, it's like you said, there is a weak division there. Uh, but, but uh, you know, Murph has to be Murph again from last season. I don't know if he can duplicate that. He's a great hitter, but last season was just, you know, his numbers were astronomical. They um, were, but but Harper had as below at, below his historical line season as Murph had as above his. So I kind of see those just both kind of evening out to exactly where they probably should be. No, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Right on. But uh, moving away from the Nats, let's talk about the team that knocked him out of the playoffs, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers apparently are making making uh, some news early in the offseason as uh, for the first time they're not going they were not going to be a in well, the past few years a huge player in free agency because MLB really wants them to pay down some debt and also hike the luxury tax to punish teams like the Dodgers a bit more for you know going well above going well above the thresholds that other teams can afford that hasn't stopped them from spending money to bring back two players who have been very good for them lately um, first giving Kenley Jansen a five-year, $80 million contract. Huge for a closer, but not the biggest contract for any closer on the market. And then uh, Justin Turner progressing towards a four-year deal. Justin Turner and Daniel Murphy, two former Mets who turned into phenomenal power threats after leaving the Mets. But uh, let's start with Turner. Uh, Are you in favor of giving this guy this much money over that much time? Yeah. I mean, uh, Justin Turner kind of earned it. He's kind of become part of you know the heart and soul of this ball club he's definitely somebody that that you know the guys really gather around the, the fans really uh really have taken to Justin Turner it's nice to see a guy a guy grind his whole career um and get a finally get a payday I mean he was overlooked by the Mets he was overlooked by quite a few teams and, and we gave him an opportunity and, and he he ran with it he took the position he he and he, he you know Justin Turner batting third for the Los Angeles Dodgers was not something that anybody could have ever imagined and uh, he did it. He did a great job. He's somebody that I think this team can be comfortable with. I think for us, we're a team that uh, 
that isn't far. So to to start giving away some pieces that are that are uh, really important to us, like Jansen, like Turner has been for the last few seasons, what he does in that clubhouse, what it means for him even to be a Dodger. I know that uh, you know he didn't really want to leave as Jansen didn't want to leave. And that says a lot about the organization. Uh, yeah, no, I'm totally okay with it. I mean, the Dodgers are a team that we gave Carl Crawford a buttload of money. We, 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 we paid Andre Ethier pretty okay. You know, so Justin Turner is absolutely worth it. Uh, you know, and, and then not to not to forget Rich Hill. I mean, Rich Hill coming back is big for us. We're paying him handsomely as well. He's a he, you know he's up there in age, and then health is always a concern with Rich Hill. But if if he can stay healthy and really you know contribute a lot of innings to this ball club, I think that's where we saw a lot of things happen in a negative way for the Dodgers. Is our pitching staff wasn't able to be healthy, so we used so many pitchers. The bullpen was overused, and by the time we got to the playoffs, we were kind of spent. Uh, so I think Rich Hill, that's an addition that's going to make a huge huge difference but for me Kenley Jansen was an absolute must uh if it wasn't going to be him then we were going to have to overspend somewhere else for something less talented it's nice to see him be loyal and committed to the Dodgers and then take less money to what even the Nationals or the Marlins were offering him so for me you know I, I couldn't be happier with what's going on we're also in discussions and then there's rumors that uh Dozier from the Twins he's only you know he only makes six million a year if we could get him and he can be the, the second baseman for us and give you know even two-thirds of the season he had last year to us then we're going to be in good shape um so I, I kind of I kind of am you know liking what we're doing we're not overspending outside of what we're familiar with and that's okay because at least I know what to expect out of these guys and and we weren't far we haven't been far for quite some time we just need to really keep the core together and and find a piece that could get us over that hump and I think that it's out there and I think that uh you know our front office is a bunch of smart dudes so I think they're really going to figure it out and they'll make the moves necessary to get us over that hump you know for us it's just key is staying healthy especially in the rotation if we can stay healthy then then our team is going to be in the hunt and in the thick of it you know as we have been for the last couple of seasons so yeah I'm excited for what's happening and and I'm, I'm pretty happy to be quite honest yeah I mean I think that they're all moves that make sense um you know, the only thing I worry about with the Dodgers is being, you know, like I worry about with the Mets and like I think the Nets should worry about is they're way too left-handed. Um, the Dodgers ranked t- ranked last in uh, batting average against lefties last year. Um, they had tr- they, they had trouble in the playoffs when they faced John Lester. Uh, I mean, that's basically where I would that's where I'd go with that is they need to work on facing lefties because in their division you face um you know the second you have the best one but you face the second best one in the game. And, uh, you know, you have, you have Kershaw, but you face, uh, as Bumgarner a lot. Yeah, no. And, and you know what? Justin Turner's stuff was struggled against lefties last season. That's why I think a player like Dozier would make sense for us, you know, giving us an offensive, uh, an offensive threat at a, at a position where, you know, we're pretty bare right now. And, and, and he, he can hit the lefties. He's right-handed. He gives you a little bit of power. I think that we are left-handed, you know, overly left-handed, but I think those are things that can be rectified you know if if, if scott van uh scott van slide can be can be healthy and uh you know and Puig can have a good like he did when he came back after being demoted he can give me some consistency i think we can platoon enough to where we can hit lefties better uh, you know for me my main health concern it, my main concern is health especially in the rotation i think offensively we're going to be good enough i think in the bullpen we're going to be good enough i just think if we can't stay healthy then we're going to have major issues again going deep into the playoffs it's not about winning the division it's not about getting a wild card spot for the dodgers anymore i mean as a dodger fan you're expecting that and i I know that sounds spoiled to say, but for us, it, it's next level. It's getting out of the NLCS. It's making it to the dance. And I think health is going to be a major key to that, like it is for any organization get trying to get to that point. Uh, but we really need to strive to do that. And we really need to keep our depth, you know, our pitching depth where it is. I mean, Ryu coming back, McCarthy coming back. There's some pieces that I can be excited about. Uh, you know, as far as the offense is concerned, I, I I'm confident we'll make enough changes, and I'm confident Dave Roberts uh, can tweak it enough to make us productive against left-handed hitters. I mean, pitchers. Yeah, no, I, I can't agree more, uh, especially on the fact that you needed Turner back. He, he's just he, he's the he's the draw, star that draws the stink, stirs the drink. But uh, moving off of a uh, you know the Kenley the team that's re-signed Kenley Jansen, let's stick with the closer market. Uh, the record contract for a closer, of course. The New York Yankees signing Orlando Chapman to a five-year, eighty-six million-dollar contract. Um, this is cr- this is crazy money, and I don't think I like it. 
I don't think I like it either. Um, well, ultimately, neither one of us like Chapman for off-the-field issues, uh, so it's hard for us to be able to swallow him getting that much money. Um, oh, no, the playoffs made me kind of hate him for on-the-field issues. <laughs> you know what? For me, it's just uh, the Yankees are going to be the Yankees. You know what I mean? They're going to do what they're going to do, and, and having a, a star closer has always been part of their you know, MO, and then it's no different now. Uh, I think they overspent, but... That's just me. I mean, I, I I know you agree with that. Of course, they overspent time. I mean, I, I I mean, and it set the market. The market for closers was set early, and it was set before Jansen and Chapman signed. It was set when the Giants chose to sign Melanson, uh, the worst of the three. But Melanson had the highest uh, annual average value of any relief pitcher ever for about a week, and then the you know the Yankees. Set set that market again with Chapman at seventeen point two million, followed by Chapman. I mean, getting fifteen point five, and Jansen fits slots in nicely at sixteen. I mean, two of these guys are two of the three I would say elite closers in baseball in uh, in, in Jansen and uh, Chapman, and the other guy that you know I think is the other elite guy in the game right now, obviously, is Zach Britton, but. The guy who's right behind them also is on the move this week. Uh, the Chicago Cubs trading uh, Jorge Soler. Uh, you know, he makes actually a perfect post-high sleeper, by the way. I think he, that the Royals got a good player in him, um, or a potential for a good player in him, for Wade Davis. That's another huge deal. The, the Cubs also signing Koji Uehara, um, immediately going back to work on just rebuilding that bullpen. Yeah, the Cubs uh, haven't skipped a beat. And like you said, Jorge Soler for Wade Davis, that's another deal that I like for both teams. Uh, Jorge Soler has the potential to be, you know, all-star quality player if he can get the at-bats and he can stay healthy and really, uh, you know, stay consistent. You, you know, for me, the, the Chapman deal, what bothers me the most is he's not an Andrew Miller. He's not a Kenley Jansen who's willing to go and pitch two innings, three innings, who's willing to go and pitch the seventh, even in a tight ball game where we're seeing all these pitchers shift. Araldis Chapman doesn't strike me like that kind of guy. He strikes me as a give me the ball in the ninth when we have a lead and that's about it. Um, and I think, you know, for that money, you definitely have to be a little more flexible or I would, I would demand that my pitcher be a little bit more flexible. No, I, I would too, but uh, the other thing is, though, it allows the Yankees to rebuild a one-two punch that they had earlier in the season when they were using, Dil uh, when they when you know, before Chapman was activated from his suspension of Dellen Patances and Andrew Miller, you know, just elite power guys late in a game. If you get a lead, you don't relinquish it, and now the Yankees have a form of that again with uh, Patances and uh, Chapman. The issue that the Yankees have is that Joe Girardi abuses relievers, and do you want to see a manager abusing a reliever that's making $17.2 million a year? Or do you guys, you want that guy fresh to pitch every night? Like you don't want to, you don't want to destroy your investment. No, I hear that. Um, I think the Yankees are in a position where they uh, definitely have to scrape by and win more games and really make a push this season uh, more so than last season. I know that they came off a little bit uh, strong towards the end when Gabby Sanchez caught fire, but they definitely need to reestablish themselves in a division where they have been losing ground for a few seasons now. Uh, you know, and so I can't see Girardi not forcing the issue. You know what I mean? I could see Girardi wearing him a little bit thin in non-safe situations uh, because that's just the way Joe Girardi works, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Now, the other thing that I'm that I find interesting on this is uh, just Jansen and uh, and Chapman. The two contracts they just signed, which will cover just the next five years, um, are as much as Mariano Rivera made in 19 seasons. Uh, I like both pitchers, but no, they're they're no Rivera. No, they're not. Um, no one is. But. You know, the game has changed so much. Contracts have evolved so much. The Thanks to Mariano Rivera and him laying the foundations, that position and the reliever role has uh, gained so much more credibility and importance in the game. We saw that a few years ago with the Royals. We saw that with the Indians. We're seeing that with the Cubs. We're seeing that a lot of teams are built, you know, through the bullpen. And uh, because of players like Mariano Rivera, so although he didn't get paid as much as these guys are getting paid, it wouldn't be possible without people uh, like Mariano, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. I just found that as an interesting, I just found that an interesting financial stat because I've always thought, you know, Mariano is, is 
he's the best pitcher as far as overall effectiveness in the single role that you needed him to do that, that I've ever seen, especially when it comes to the postseason. And I, I always thought he was undervalued, but this, this particular deal made me understand exactly how undervalued he was. But that's enough of me complimenting the New York Yankees. Let's go to another franchise that frustrates me. The, the St. Louis Cardinals finally addressed the gaping hole they've had in center field by signing Dexter Fowler. Yeah, um, and prying them from the Cubs. So that's a, a win-win for them. Um, I was kind of surprised that Fowler went to the Cubs. I mean, went to the Cardinals from the Cubs. But you know, he's a guy that turned down some money and and you know a few years with the Orioles to go to the Cubs and and gamble on himself and and it worked out for him. World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs, and not just that, he earned himself a very nice lucrative payday with the Cardinals. Uh, he's a player that's going to help them tremendously. Help them defensively. Help them offensively. He's he's just a uh, you know, a spark plug to any lineup. And I think, you know, the Cardinals have needed a little bit of that. They've, they've stagnated a little bit over the last couple of seasons, especially last year. I feel like the Cardinals just couldn't get it going offensively and, and really sputtered for, you know, the majority of that season. Yeah. Now the question here is, do you, do you buy the diff? Because his defense was always suspect in center last year. It was really, really good. Uh, do we, do we buy it? Um, he's, he said in the past, it's due to, the Cubs positioning him differently this season, last season than ever before. And that allowed him to get the balls better. Uh, I don't, I don't know enough to actually say whether or not I agree with that, but I'm always suspect of guys who have one year spikes in one skill where they've always been mediocre. Yeah. But I think, you know, if he's saying that the scouting, the positioning, I don't doubt it at all because the Cubs are the king at that. Right. Uh, but it's also about confidence. I think he's grown in confidence in his position. He's grown in confidence in his ability to go out there and get it. And for me, uh, that's something big that 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 uh, no one could really take away. You know, if and if he feels that he's improved and, and the Cardinals feel as much, uh, I, I think it's 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 not just that, but it's taking him from the, your your direct rival that that makes this deal so. Uh, you know, such a big deal to me. It, it's taking a key piece to a team that we know is proven and world championship caliber that's your direct rival and plugging him into a position that, you know, you need him to succeed at. And I think that he's a player that can succeed. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, new Bush is that massive. I think he can go out there and get it. I, I'm not too concerned by the defensive issues, man. I think that he's got those sorted out that he could thank the Cubs a lot for that. And uh, if Mike Matheny plays his cards right and does a little bit of analytics and figures out where people spray the ball around and he feels com- comfortable and confident in Mike Matheny and, and that coaching staff's ability to position him, uh, I think he's fine. And not just that, but I think he's, he's gained a lot from the Cubs doing what they did to, for him. And he's able to, you know, take those pieces and grow himself and learn the game. And he's really evolving into, uh, you know, I don't want to say an elite defender, but a quality above average defender in center field. Now, here's my question. We're talking about the positioning, but then there's also the thing you have to realize that the Cubs put into right field last year. They put Jason Hayward in right field. He's not playing next to Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward is the best defensive right fielder in baseball. Could that be some of it? It's something to watch. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to it. No, no, those those are great points that you're bringing up, and I think that's something that we do need to look out for, and we should be watching with with a lot of you know uh, attention because it's something that we can bring back in a couple of months or once the season starts and see if it's actually developed, uh, if his game's actually developed, or if there was all those other factors that were really helping him out, and that's something that I'm really you know excited to see and and find out because uh, there's a lot of question marks, there's a lot of things that that you know did benefit him in Chicago and it's time for him to prove his worth and, and prove that that contract is definitely uh, deserve that he's deserving of it. So of uh, the big position player contracts we have, we have three left to discuss. I'm going to leave the one that I want to talk about most for last. Cause it also happened before the winter meetings. Um, I think we all know which one it is, but uh, Wilson Ramos coming off of a great year for the Washington nationals. That's all him tears ACL near the end of the season uh, signs with Tampa Bay for two years at 12 and a half million. Uh, that one feels like it's a real punch in the gut for the player because Ramos looked like he was poised to get really good money and the knee injury couldn't have come at a worse time. Yeah, it's something that he's probably disappointed in. But, I mean, you know, he took a short-term deal, you know, and, and he'll be a key focal point to that team in Tampa. It'll help the Rays. If he can get back to the offensive levels where he was when he went down, then I have no problem or no doubt that he'll get paid down the line. 
because of, you know at that position with offensive ability it's only a plus plus and he's a player that's really proven uh how good he can be with the nationals it's just a matter of him staying healthy and really producing and if he could do that then he'll be paid down the line but yeah no i agree 100 percent on the short term it's definitely a punch in the gut for the kid yeah i mean he was hitting 307 354 496 over 523 plate appearances finally had his first uh Got his first All-Star Games for a Silver Slugger, 3.5 war, um, you know, decent enough defender. It's just, he'll be, he, he's going to hit the marketing at an age 31, which is a perilous age for catchers because you're still close enough to your physical peak, but it's also the, the position in baseball that wears you down fastest. Like, this might have cost Wilson Ramos, like, his, you know, his real shot at, at big money, uh, you know, like 50 million plus instead of, you know, taking 12 and a half million. And who knows if he ever plays that well again. No, for sure. Absolutely. I think if he would have stayed healthy, you know, the conversation between the, the premier catcher and, and highest paid, you know, between him and Weeders right now in, in the free agency, it would have been definitely a conversation and Ramos would have probably been more deserving in my opinion. Uh, but hey, you know, it happens and it's it's up to him to go out there and prove that, you know, his injury is not going to define him and he can actually produce in that way still. And, I, I, you know, I'm rooting for the guy because I think he actually has a lot of baseball left in him and, 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 and really good above average quality, you know, uh, catching ahead of him. So I think that's a good piece for the, the, the Rays. You know, I, I don't expect him to be there long. I expect him to see out the two years and probably be gone, if not be trade bait in his second season if he's really producing so. It's. I think it's a good move for both teams. Although he probably is going to be disappointed with the financial figures, it is what it is. You know, with his injury and everything else, it's probably expected. But yeah, no, I'm excited to see how he produces, man. To be quite honest. And and now for the really fun one because we get to pan terrible decision making. The Colorado Rockies have signed Ian Desmond at five years and seventy million dollars to play first base. Yeah, I. I don't get it. They, they, it also costs them the number eleven pick in the draft because everything up till ten is uh, is protected. The eleventh pick, not so much. This is stupid. It's stupid. I, 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 you know, I sat around trying to figure out why this makes sense for the Rockies and why this is a good move. It's just not. I mean, Ian Desmond hasn't played for his base for long periods of his career. Uh, you know, he's not. He, he can play some outfield. He can play infield. You know, he, he's a platoon utility type of guy. And to get the amount of money that he got is, is I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know, he, he was pro- he's probably a better defensive outfielder than Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez is left-handed. Play him at first base. Give him a shot. They probably have the same amount of experience. There's things that could have been done. They probably I, need to take care of Carlos Gonzalez's legs because they're going to consistently fall off. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things, a lot of factors that don't make sense for me. Um, yeah, the Ian Desmond is not – they're going to regret this contract. I, I'm almost positive that they're going to regret this deal, especially with the, lo- the the length of the deal. and the. It's just not going to work out. It's just they need so much more than an Ian Desmond. You know what I mean? Like especially at that price. All right, so I have a, I have a way of actually making this all work out for him. And I know this will never happen. Okay. <laughs> all right, shoot. They tr- the Rockies trade uh, Charlie Blackman to the Mets for Jay Bruce. God, God, you're clutching his straws. Go ahead. Yeah, the reason is the Mets got a center fielder, and this goes to what we're going to discuss in a few minutes, and then Jay Bruce has gotten rid of. Okay, how does this benefit the Rockies? It doesn't, but they're stupid, so who cares? <laughs> No, I mean, Ian, Ian, Desmond's a, Ian Desmond's a nice player, but you just signed a guy who hit 22 and 86, stole 21 bases. Nice player, hit 285 in Texas. Texas Texas doesn't give you that much more of a bump than, uh, than Colorado does. Like, Colorado doesn't give you that much more of a bump than Texas does as far as offensive stats. And you're paying for that production for a first baseman. Like, it's a first base. Like, if you're in Coors Field and your first baseman isn't hitting – 35 to 40 homers like doesn't have that power to do that you're you're wasting the position there like you yeah, put power hitters at the corners you're doing it wrong yeah I, I completely agree i completely agree um and he's a yeah. subpar defender in a lot of spots a lot of spots i mean he could play a lot of spots but he plays them poorly for the most part um yeah. i don't know bro i none of it makes sense to me uh it's just it's just 
I think they're really reaching and you know, I know it's hard to be a destination in Colorado because you don't you're not a proven winner, you don't have much to build on, you don't attract key free agents. It's just this doesn't make any sense. And they got him so early on in in in, in the off season, it's like they just reached, bro. There's no other explanation I have except for they reached for this. I don't mind Desmond. I just think he is a tremendously average player. And I think giving him that much money, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, you know, went, you know weighted runs created 106. Decent. Average for weighted runs created, by the way, is 100. Um, 106. Decent. Sorry, that's I'm thinking of OPS+. plus. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing stats in my head. But 100, 100 uh, wins, 100 runs created plus puts you basically probably around, like, midway through regulars in major league baseball you're not you, you don't pay a guy like that 16 and a half million dollars a seat 15 million dollars a season you don't it's just that you don't pay that money to that guy no you don't and and that's another guy that took a short-term deal to take a gamble on himself and that paid off huge for that guy so you know more power I mean, to it was it. after turning it. down a 100 million dollar deal so like there's yeah, a I guess you're bit, right. There's a little bit of a redemption for Ian Desmond. It's just the question is whether or not it's you know deserved it that much. But you know, good for Ian Desmond. No, 100. percent Good for him. Good for his agent. Way to do the job. And before we get to our mailbag, we should bring up the fact that there are two huge names still on the free agent market, um, and one of them I, I got to get into a quote from Jim Duquette on. But they're Joey Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion, uh, you know, the twin bombers from the from Montreal. Um, Encarnacion is an absolutely lethal bat. Um, Man, you love the Expos. Montreal? You mean Toronto? I'm in Toronto. I'm in Toronto. Uh, I do love the Expos. I, hate the Expos. I know you I love do. the Expos. Uh, but uh, I went to the last game in fr- Expos franchise history, by the way. Uh, it was it was in New York. I didn't travel. Uh, but uh, then Joey, Joey Batista, the GM for the Baltimore Orioles, Jim Duquette, went out of his way. To tell Joey Batista's agent that his team couldn't sign him because their fans hated him. I laughed. I thought that was funny. I mean, I did too. But you don't let the you don't let the inmates run the asylum. No, I get that a hundred percent, and uh, and I can all you know one hundred percent understand why Oriole fans hate Joey Joey Bats. Uh, but I just, the fact that that made the news was, was hilarious. Like you don't go out of your way as a general manager and just say things like that publicly. Um, so it is what it is. I I think he, ultimately, I think Joey Bats ends up in Toronto for way less than, or at least less length than he really wanted, but, uh, it suits him. It's home. That's where he flourished. His career flourished. I think he'd be dumb to really go anywhere else because no one's going to give him what he wants anyway. Yeah. So I agree with you that he ends up probably back in Toronto. I don't see both of them ending up back in Toronto, and that's where I think the no, Blue take a hit. I just wonder, though, who is going to take on Encarnacion? And the question is, how much money do you have to give these guys? Because the market was probably set by Cespedes, right? Like, you have to figure that the guy who's youngest and most in his prime and probably best of the three is going to set the market. Cespedes took a shorter deal, granted, he also took the second largest eight uh, annual average value of any player who isn't Miggy Cabrera. But, I mean, are either of those teams going to go over what Cespedes has got in terms of years or dollars? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything you know, that would do that for those guys. Right? And, 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 and Cespedes plays some defense. You know what I mean? He offers something. Uh, Jose Batista doesn't play that great a defense. He, he's... And they're both predominantly DHs. I mean, Edwin Encarnacion played for his base a lot, but he's not that great, you know. So predominantly, these guys got to be American League players. So that already cuts the market in half. Um, Yeah, it's going to be tough. I just think they're going to have to settle. Uh, They're going to definitely have to settle. And I mean, the Blue Jays already signed Kendris Morales. So that's something that absolutely puts uh, Encarnacion out of of play for them. yeah, I, and I'm going to be surprised to see where he goes because uh, I don't really see a lot of teams willing to spend that much money. And if they are, then they're not really going to be contenders because I don't I don't see the contenders really throwing that much money at Edwin Encarnacion because it's just it's just a, a big gamble. You know, he doesn't offer that much aside from just raw power and 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 offensive numbers. But you know, 
There's a lot he, of teams that would want 40 homers and 125 RBIs. I understand that, bro. But you know, for the amount of money that he's asking for and the length, I don't, I don't know. He's just gonna have to settle. He's gonna have to take that short deal. He's gonna have to, and 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 hope that he plays out his mind. And he might have to do that for the rest of his career. Really, is just play these short-term deals. I know that they hate him as ball players, and I would hate it too because he wants some security. But unfortunately, you know, all of his other intangibles don't add up to giving this man, including his age, including his defensive ability, including his lack of speed, his lack of a lot of things. Yeah, he hits a lot of home runs. He drives in a lot of runs. I get it. There's a place for that in the game, and there always will be. But I just think it's in a designated hitter role. And he, you know, I, hell, he might end up in Anaheim for all we know. That, that type of amazing. Piece. Having him in pool holes basically where one of them has to play first base by default. It's that type of that's going to be that type of scenario. He's going to end up at a team where he probably doesn't want to be at and that are just going to overpay for the short term. And that's fine. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for him because I'm sure he would have liked to have stayed in Toronto and finish what they're building there. But it's just, you know, the financials and everything else don't they just don't add up. I know where I want him to go. But he doesn't want where? to go there. Seattle. That, that's a team that could actually use him. They can compete next year in that division with him in the lineup. No, okay. That's a very good shout. That's a very yeah. good shout. And we saw that they're not afraid to spend money. Uh, they've been a little bit more reluctant this season. But if they can go and, and spend a little bit of money and him and Nelson Cruz, Robinson Gano, they can they can have a little bit of something. Seager? Yeah, no. I can see that working out. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be a good place for him to sign. Now, uh, there's two other more you know, minor deals that we should briefly talk about. One-year deals to both Carlos Beltran and Matt Holliday. Uh, Beltran to go to Texas, to Houston, which we never thought would happen. Uh they could finally stop booing him. I think some fans will still do so. And then uh, we have uh, Car- you know, Matt Holiday finally getting to New York. Not as a Met, though. A lot of Met fans wanted him throughout the course of his career, but that's a Yankee. Uh, there much to these deals? Nah, uh, none of the, neither one of these two deals excite me. I think, you know, what I found the most the funniest thing about this is Matt Holiday refuses to go back to Oakland. That's the only yeah, team with no trade clause. <laughs> That's the best part about either one of these deals to me is that he just hates Oakland that badly. Um, but no, I mean, if Matt Holiday could stay healthy, he's a piece that can really help the Yankees. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, his numbers aren't going to be astronomical, but he can give you that veteran leadership that McCann that they lost with getting rid of McCann. And then he could really be a serviceable piece. He, you know, he can play both sides, both corner outfield. He can play a little first base. He has some versatility. Uh, it's not a move that I, that I hate. Uh, it's a move that probably works out for him and for the Yankees. If he can stay healthy, then they definitely got themselves a good leader and, and a solid ball player still. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm with you. I just don't think he can stay healthy because He's had his injury problems over the last few seasons, and, you know, he's he's getting up there in age. Uh, Beltron, I just love going to Houston just because of the fact that the way in which it ended the last time before uh, 2005 when he signed with the Mets was, you know, nothing but he he could have killed a man in, in Main Street, Houston, and they would they still would have loved him. Um, I'm sorry, I went full Trump there. But, uh, <laughs> but no, he, I mean, that, that playoff run, the, the 2004 playoffs, Carlos Beltron, what he put together – is the craziest thing until Murph in 2015. Like, yeah. it's it's something that nobody had seen before. And he's got a lot of postseason experience. He's gotten, every, he's gotten to the World Series a few times. He's just never brought one home. I think Houston gives him a decent shot. I mean, they have a decent shot at winning everything next year. I wouldn't, yeah, put, I just, I wouldn't say they're one of my, you know, eight favorites, but they, they, I, I could see them in, you know, in that 8 to 12 range as far as where I'd evaluate teams with the best shots in baseball. No, they got a shot. I mean, yeah, no, I, I see it. They got a shot. Uh, but for me, I just think it's a matter of just not moving his family again too far from Texas. I mean, from Arlington down to Houston. And then he's been there. He's familiar with the place. You know, I, I just think it's that type of move. It's more of a family move for him than it is uh, even baseball-wise as far as trying to win anything. I think that that ship he feels might have sailed. And, you know, uh, I just think for him – it's probably a familiarity, and it's nice to see him back in Houston. I think he's going to be productive. I think he's going to help, you know, players like Springer, players like Correa, and develop them into better professionals. I think uh, that's the type of move that this is, and I, you know, I, I like it. I think that this is going to benefit the Astros long term too because of what he can uh, pass off to some of these young players. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. So I'm in full agreement with you there. Um, finally, uh, we never actually discussed this on the show yet. Uh, the week before the winter meetings, the biggest chip on the free agent market did fall. Four years, $110 million. 
Yoenis Cespedes goes back to Queens, and I am super pumped about that. Yeah, you should be. Uh, I think for you know you're, the Mets, he he was a piece that when he got to the Mets, really, uh, you know, he he just you guys were already flying pretty high, but he just turned it on and then really ignited something. And and you know, I see it with the fan base, the excitement they have. I see the way that the players really you know rally around him and enjoy him there. Uh, you know, he's a personality, and New York needs personalities, and he's somebody that has a little bit of that, a little bit of swagger, a little bit of you know, he has quite a bit of confidence, and he's a player that is still in. Improving, I think. I think he still has something left in the tank, and I think that that was a steal for you guys, to be quite honest, and something that you guys had to, had to, had to do. Yeah, it was. It was it's the only bat that we know fits with the team because we've seen it. And Sandy Alderson said it in the press conference. There's one simple fact, uh, you know, and and he was saying this kind of joking because the Mets are a very analytics heavy uh, team at this point with Alderson in, in charge. Um, one simple fact is that when you have a place for the New York Mets, the New York Mets win. Um, I'm not going to get too much into what I think it does for the team next season because there's just a lot of questions about how the pitching comes back healthy. If it comes back healthy like it was in 2015, the Mets uh, become, you know, a very, very, a very difficult proposition because every single, uh, you know, four out of five nights and potentially five with Zach Wheeler, but with, you know, Syndergaard, Mats, Harvey, and DeGrom, they could throw out a pitcher that's better than than anything most teams have. Um, Maybe, you know, some teams have one pitcher. One pitcher as good as the four. The four of them, though, when their other games are really good. And we, uh, I'm going to link this out via our Twitter account. But uh, Stephen Matz is the most underrated pitcher in baseball. And I'm going to post a Fangraphs article that explains why. But this brings us to our question segment. We have two questions. Uh, both of them posed to him from my friend Jeff Pierce. Uh, you can find him at jpierce37 on Twitter. He does not tweet much. In fact, the, I think the first things he's tweeted in weeks or months. But his first question is, why do the Mets hate Michael Conforto? And as a follow-up, do they hate? Why do they hate center fielders? Um, these are both great questions. <laughs> they are great questions, but I feel like you're better suited to answer them. Um, why as far they- as Conforto is concerned, I like Conforto, so I don't understand either. Um, and the center fielder question is a great question because I don't remember the last time you had one. So I'll let you answer both of these questions. So why do they hate center fielders is because they paid Juan Ligaris and then he spent an entire offseason eating. And since then, they haven't felt like replacing him with another center fielder. Uh, the assumption was last year it would be a platoon between Ligaris and – actually, the assumption was it was going to be Cespedes last year, which turned into a terrible idea because Cespedes hates playing center field and it keeps him you know, injury-prone. Uh, Cespedes is an elite defensive left fielder. He is a below-average defensive center fielder. Cespedes is going to play in left over the course of this contract where I'm going to have a heart attack. Uh, so, yeah, they need a center fielder. I think Alderson needs that, and I think that's something that he's going to hopefully address in the uh, over the course of the winter. Um, as it appears right now, though, it looks like Curtis Granderson is your starting center fielder for next year which I'm not thrilled with because Curtis Granderson at 36 has undoubtedly lost a few steps. That is not a great, that is not a great center field choice, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And then why do they hate Michael Conforto? It's not that the Mets hate Michael Conforto. It's that Terry Collins is a senile old man and doesn't understand that you can't destroy a player's confidence by never giving him consistent chances to hit lefties or play. Despite the fact that you roll a lineup out there for two and a half months from Basically, May till about from from about mid May to the trade deadline, and a little actually beyond till 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 Cespedes came back on a road trip and from the DL in mid August, the Mets didn't hit, and and it was everybody but Michael Conforto seemed to take the fall for the rest of the team. Uh, there was a lot of reasons for that for that, um, but Conforto taking the fall for the rest of the team not being able to hit was a tremendous mistake in judgment from Terry Collins, and the Mets need Michael Conforto. Actually hitting because he could be a stud. And uh, our, our final question, our final mailbag question of 2017, uh, also from Jeffrey Pierce. Do the Philadelphia Phillies have any chance in not finishing dead last in the NL East? Asking for a friend. Uh, my answer is, yeah, they do. If the existence of the Atlanta Braves should give you some hope that you don't finish in last yeah, we're going to agree with that 100%. I think the Braves and the question marks there, although they did make some moves with veterans like Dickey and Bartolo Colon, and they did improve a little bit. I'm just going to think that there's not enough there. But uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be close. It's going to be neck and neck between those two. 
It should be exciting, though, because at least, I mean, and I say exciting, I think it's only exciting to fans of both these teams. Uh, if you're going to go out and buy the MLB package, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend, unless you're a you know, Braves or Phillies fan, checking them out too, too much, because you're going to see a lot of bad baseball played by young kids. But if you're a Phillies fan or a Braves fan, you're also going to get to see a lot of bad baseball played by young kids, which can be exciting sometimes, because you get to see prospects that your team has hyped up for a bit. And, you know, if you're a Phillies fan, you'll get to see J.P. Crawford. You're a Braves fan, you'll get to see a lot of Dansby Swanson. Both should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's always fun to see a team that's rebuilding and see youth out there. I know it can be frustrating sometimes, but they got some pieces. Both of those teams got some pieces that, you know, you could be excited for. So, uh, as we go now towards the end of the year, Armando and I are just going to tell you what we think is going to happen in baseball in 2017. Uh, I thought of the question, so Armando goes first. I really think by Dodgers it's time. I think I, I'm, I'm expecting them to make it to the World Series. I really think that they're going to turn a corner. They're going to have all the pieces. Hopefully they could stay healthy. they got a manager that I think really can push us over that edge. And, uh, yeah, so for me it will be the Dodgers making the World Series. And I think it's going to be the Red Sox as well because I think they made enough moves. Duquette, uh, I mean, Dombrowski's made the moves that he feels is going to do this for him. And, and hey, the offseason is not over, so they could still improve there. Um you know, Pablo Sandoval is alive and skinny, so you never know. Uh, I think Red Sox-Dodgers is my prediction for 2017. He does look great, doesn't he? He does. He does. He it's looks scary. like a guy who's getting paid a lot of money to play baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who knew? Who knew? But uh, for me, I think it's that Mike Trout will be the first 40-40 player in baseball since Alex Rodriguez did it a few years ago. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Mike Trout does for an encore off of this season and every other season that he plays for the rest of his career because I think we might be seeing the greatest baseball player ever. I would agree with you. And, yeah, no, that's a good shout because 40-40, it doesn't matter who he plays for, what you know, who the guy is. It's something that you can root for, something you can get excited about. Um, it's a rarity in the game, and it's something that, unfortunately, although there's guys that can do it, like Bryce Harper himself and a lot of other guys that have the tools to do it, we just don't see a lot of the stolen base happening anymore. So if he can do that, that'll definitely uh, – I mean, he's probably going to be the MVP anyway, but that'll cinch it up for sure. I don't think they'll I, – I, a, a secondary prediction is he doesn't repeat his MVP just because some a bunch of writers get you know some stick up their ass. But, uh, hey, man, 40-40, that's MVP. I, you I, can't take that. I agree with you. But uh, th that's it from us on the seventh inning stretch this year. Um, myself, personally, I'd like to wish everybody a happy holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, any other holidays that are celebrated around this time of the year, and a happy new year and a healthy new year to everyone. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, likewise. Um, just be safe out there. Enjoy your holidays with your loved ones. Um, if you could give a little bit to the less fortunate, let's do that. Everybody, every little bit helps. Um, so, yeah, ultimately that's it for us. We'll see you guys next year, and hopefully it's you know a fruitful 2017 for all of us. For your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.